0: Welcome to the Reluctant Agilists. This is Dave Pryor. I'm here today with Gil Broza, and we're going to talk about his new book. We're recording this shortly before the holidays, but this probably won't go out until January. So happy new year to everybody. Happy new year, Gil.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: Um, So you got a new book. I do. So can you quickly tell the folks that are listening about your background, and then we'll talk about the book and sort of dig into the topic a little bit.
1: Okay. Grew up as a developer. Dev manager, architect, um, started using Agile 19 years ago, did it again in those capacities for about four years before I became a full-time coach, trainer, consultant, all around troublemaker. And uh, that's what I've been doing for the past 15 years. Okay. I've worked with probably close to 100 companies at this time, thousands of people, all kinds of work, and everybody's right. different.
0: And, you've, and this is your third book.
1: My third, yes. I never thought I had it in me, but it turns out I did.
0: <laughs> so the, you've got the human side of Agile, the Agile mindset, and the new book is, drum roll.
1: Agile for non-software teams. Dun, 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 dun. And
0: I am very excited about this book. And I we were talking to the, for the folks listening, we were getting ready for the interview. And I said that I had a very specific sort of situation where this book was going to be valuable to me. And mm-hmm. I would like to share that with you. Mm-hmm. Every single class that I teach, I get people who want, in quotes, real-life examples, Mm -hmm. and they all want examples of Agile being used outside of software. Mm -hmm. And the thing that always strikes me as super bizarre, it could be like, you know, I don't know. Agile and house cleaning, like how do I use Agile to clean a house? But nobody ever looks for it in Google.
1: Like they always <laughs> just assume
0: that it can't be done. And I'm, and I always wonder, like, why do people assume this is only software?
1: Yeah, and, and still, you know, I, I talk to people outside of software, and like not in the Agile context. And I and I maybe mention the word Agile and say, oh, it's this thing that you know software people do. Uh, Look, that's where it grew up. That's where it's still pervasive. Um, You know, pretty much the entire software development industry is aware of it, if not actively practicing it well or badly. That's a different story, but um, it's everywhere. Right. And for the past, what is it, five, eight, ten years? Everybody's talking about agile transformations uh, at the highest levels of the company. Right. So now CEOs talk about this and um, you know, VPs at every level. And so <clears throat> people are extending this everywhere, but the impression is still that, you know, it's primarily a techie thing. Yeah. So
0: just to dispel a myth, do you think that there is an aspect of life or work that is just like off limits as far as Agile is
1: concerned? Well, I think there's several. Okay. Um, so look, and and I also presented in the book this way, the, It all depends on the context and the work. So what what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? And is Agile a suitable approach to doing that? And and when I say Agile, I do not mean Scrum. I mean, you know, the, the, the values, the beliefs, the principles, and how you choose to implement them. And so, you know, in the software world, it applies in many, many cases, and even then, not in all of them. Outside of software... You'll have situations, uh, for instance, in a lot of uh, B2C marketing where um, it makes perfect sense. In design, it makes perfect sense. But you also have you know, all sorts of pursuits where being agile makes no sense. For instance, um, an example I like to give here in the city is uh, they recently extended the subway line, um, which should not be done in an agile manner. Right The cost of change is horrendous. It is a known problem. You know how to solve it. Um, you make people miserable for the years it takes to build it, but it's <laughs> right, but it's not like you need to be flexible and you know an iterative or anything like that. There is still room for some ideas from agile that simply never occur to people. so you know just as an example uh, again with um, with the line. What if theoretically, instead of waiting six years until they open six stations along a stretch of, let's say, four miles, um, they opened like one station a year, right? So you did, yeah. right? So you, you, can, you kind of extend it piecemeal. That, I, I don't know if it ever occurred to anyone uh, or they're simply used to planning in the large. Maybe it's the realities of funding and, of course, you know, the, the levels of government involved and whatever. But but even then, right? It's still a substantial capital project, right? Or you put up buildings, or you put up bridges. Um, You know, it's funny. People sometimes still ask me, "Oh, so you wouldn't? Oh, so so you wouldn't use Agile to build a bridge?" Well, no, no, I wouldn't, right? Well, Jim Benson's using
0: it to do construction right
1: now, or he has been. Okay, so I'm not aware of that. but it's easy it's i
0: i agree with you in that it it, it probably is easier it, it, like the thought of building a building or a bridge with it terrifies me like I would rather <laughs> think through all the stuff up front and and it is going to be fairly repeatable yes there's going to be changes along the way but it's not like you're de- trying to determine whether or not a bridge is the right answer to the problem
1: it, exactly right and so a lot of people mistakenly th- think that agile is for efficiency, but no, it's for getting more of the right thing and less of the wrong thing sooner. And so if you already know what the right thing is, be efficient. Yeah. So we we know how to be efficient. We have lean, we have predictive planning, we have a bunch of stuff for efficiency when the answer is known. Agile is really great when the answer is not known.
0: So do you think that... um I, I, I subscribe to the idea that Agile is really good if the answer is not known in terms of what you're trying to produce. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it is equally valuable if you know what you're trying to produce? And this is a place where I can see your book kind of really coming into play. You know what you're trying to produce, but how you're interacting, how you're working together, how you should be set up, that's the part that's not sorted yet. Could you, can you use it to iteratively design the best way for yourselves to
1: work? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. There's so much in Agile that has to do with how we interact that has really very little to do with the uh, knowability of the end result, right? So, you're thinking about collaboration, you're thinking about simplicity, you're thinking about when should we be making some decisions, right? Um, There's the matter of involving people voluntarily, which means treating them with respect and trust and safety, right? And, and all of that, that it, it's more than just, you know, having a great culture. It's also about how do we interact here? So the result is in fact great. Um, I mean, okay, let me give you an example. So this book, right? When you look at the layout of the book of the physical book, right. which is very similar to, um, to my two previous books, and in fact, I've involved the same designers, and and we work similarly.
0: You should mention who the designer is.
1: the The book designer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a um, wife and husband pair. Uh, oh, they're... I
0: thought it was your daughter.
1: No, she did the artwork for the. Okay, cover. that's
0: what I was. I was trying to, to get you to talk about your daughter. Sorry.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I'm very proud that my daughter drew the artwork. And uh, some people have already commented on it's nice that, you know, the two previous books, the cover was black and white, and now this one's in color. Um, Yeah, so most of my family is creative. And when I say most, I mean not me. So (laughs) that's that. Um, No, but in terms of the layout of the book, right? So the the overall front and back cover, um, how pages are laid out, design elements, and so on. So even though we wanted to be fairly similar to um to the previous two books because
0: people get it, used it, to it it's comfortable people
1: get used to it but it's also it's, it's sort of part of my voice right yeah. um we still work collaboratively and very iteratively in terms of how they lay things out and check them Uh, run run them by me, and uh, how I give feedback, and and, um, how our contract is set up, and and so on. Even though, theoretically, the answer is known in this case.
0: Okay, so yeah, you know you're producing this book, you know what the topic is, you've worked with these people enough that you have established sort of a, you've gotten past forming and storming, you're on to like performing. Um, you know exactly how you're going to interact, but still there's questions that have to be answered along the way. And still you're going to be tuning up how you interact in solving this different problem. Because even though the framework is the same, the questions are different.
1: Uh, Yes. Some questions have not changed, but some have absolutely. Yes. And um, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: So who did you write
1: this book for? So my Persona, My, my you know, primary persona for this book, and this is something that I, I kind of validated through a bunch of lean startup approaches <laughs> before I ever okay. wrote the book, is a manager in a non-software function or business unit or organizational unit, something like that, who is interested in Agile, has seen some of it done, usually... Um, in the technical parts of the company, um, is curious, sees the potential, and wants to at least try it out. Okay. And what I realized from my my research is that um, this persona has very limited available resources when it comes to how do I approach this. I mean, think about it. And and I even wrote this in the introduction. So, when you look back like 15 years ago, okay, so, you know, really, I I was so early into Agile. Everything I did was trial and error because there was hardly anybody to learn from. Very hard conferences. Uh, The internet was young. So, internet technology was there, but resources were few. A whole lot of trial and error. Nowadays, in the software world, it's very much an understood problem, but outside of software, it's just like 15 years ago. People have some things available to them, but not uh, what they need to solve their problems. So, for instance, everybody outside of, outside of software, they look at what's available and they say, okay, so I see that there's the Scrum thing, and I see that there's this Kanban thing. Are they right for me? How do I know? And
0: what are the rules I have to follow?
1: What are the rules... <laughs> yes but it's not it's not just that it's it's also on the face of it, either one does not look like a perfect fit yeah. so for instance, you know scrum has the product owner concept outside of software that is rarely applicable yeah you do need somebody to manage outcomes and you do need somebody to prioritize work, but then who should that be, right? So, so in software, our model is that that is somebody who's in close contact with the delivery team, but is not the boss, right? Because we want them to be uh, work, to, to work as partners to the extent possible. Whereas, you know, outside of software, and eh, not always. It's, it's not common. In many cases, it actually is the manager, which, of course, comes out, you know, brings up safety issues and whatever. Yeah. Um, so, so now what do we do? Uh, here's another thing. Almost all the treatment of uh, Scrum teams is in the context of product development, right? So you have a team, several people, all focused on the same product, big product, which they evolve through a very long period of time. If you look at the side of software, that is not the case. In fact, for most people outside, there is uh, a combination of things. Instead of one big product, there is often, again, this is a sweeping statement because I'm yeah, talking yeah. About any, anybody, right? Uh, but, but often they will have some development in a lot of business as usual, like operational work. So already there is a mix. But even one, what they develop doesn't necessarily take the whole team. It's not something that they do all the time. It might be different from time to time. Um, so you know, if you think about a typical software team where you talk about, for instance, technical debt, right? today's decisions might bite you a month or six or twelve or twenty four months down, because you keep working on the same product. It has a life cycle. You, you have to reckon with it. But if you're looking at, um, for instance, marketing, so, marketing does have products which are campaigns it, like, in, in many cases, Right. But, but the technical debt concept doesn't apply the same way. Then you look can at that. Can, oh, yeah. oh, good. can I the, challenge
0: it a little bit? Sure. So, you've got that case study, and this is maybe take us in a direction. I don't know if this is going to work or not, but um, you've got that case study at the end of the book. It, for the people who haven't read the book yet, there are a number of case studies at the end. And one of them talks about that field service ops group. And and they yes. have this truck that they're trying to make sure is always ready to go with whatever is needed. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is an example of using Agile not to produce a product, but to solve a problem. Um, right. And, and you can employ all these different things to do it. And I would say that you probably do have a, a parallel to technical debt there in that, we've always put this much stuff this way in the truck like that's because in the 1930s, there was a law that said we had to do it. So we have to do it that way. Um, isn't that kind of like technical debt? It's a, it's a habit.
1: Well, look, in, it, it's not to say that technical debt does not have parallels or equivalents. It does, but they might also be different. Okay. Okay. So for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, so in my company, So I run a small consulting business, right? I do services and I do products. So services might be courses, products might be books. This book is a product. Once it's out there, any technical debt in it is um, unfortunate, (laughs) right? Um, Will I get to a second edition where I improve things and iterate on them the way a typical agile team would improve their software product? Eh, Probably not. So both of my previous books are on a second edition. I don't think there'll ever be a third. I don't see the need for a third. Okay. So I, I did try to get more things right early as opposed to fully iterative, because a book has, it comes with a reputation risk. Yeah. And not only that, people will buy it once and that's it, right? So it's not like, you know, you can drip additional features and behaviors like we do with software.
0: Well, and you're not publishing in real time, so it's not like every new every new copy that gets published or printed can have the fixes in it.
1: Actually, no, it can because the print no. is on demand. Because every, I, okay. I'm self, yeah, 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 I'm self-published. It's print on demand. When you buy it from Amazon, they print and ship to you. And I went to you know a good level of pain to make it look and feel like a real book. And our conversation about the designers, right? Yeah. Um, However, it's, it's a very much a lean operation. So if I want to make any change in the book, I make the change in the manuscript, the designer updates the PDF, I upload, the next person who buys it gets the fixes. However, ah, okay. there, there is cost involved in that, right? If I want to change a word, no problem at all, and the designer will charge me 10 bucks, and it's all good. If I want to add a paragraph, that causes reflow, which means that uh, where uh, pages... Uh, where the content breaks across pages yeah. can, can go out of whack. You, it can create a whole new page, which throws off the index and the table of contents. That's a high cost of change, right? Yeah. So I actually try to avoid this. And so, see, my, my situation here with, with um, let's say, book debt, yeah. <laughs> is, um, it, it has multiple aspects. But at the same time, do I actually need to iterate on it? And so this just goes to show you that every situation has its own parameters and right. its own complexities. And so really what this book does is take you through um, thinking through these and you know, making them explicit and then designing your way of working to account for them, right? Okay. So I have a way of working when it comes to books, but it falls out of the bigger way of working of how do I run a consulting business where books are part of the value proposition, but also marketing.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And it does seem like in the book, you're offering people kind of like a journey from this is what this stuff is to how you go about preparing yourself and your team and your organization so that you can begin crafting your own version of this stuff wherever you're doing it, if it's outside of software. Is that is that a good way to say it?
1: Yes. I mean, we talked about the Agile journey, right? So yeah. the Agile journey that I'm thinking of for my reader is, again, at some non-software department unit, whatever, let's say marketing, let's say finance, whatever. And I don't want them to be a silo, but if they want to make their way of working agile or just more agile, the book gives them the steps to follow to make that happen, to starting from how to even think about this, how to have the conversations with the teams and the stakeholders, um, how to choose where to try it out first, because you know it starts with an experiment, um, how to get people on board, and, um, and also how to design something that works for them. Okay. Right. And so it's, it's, it's a pathway. And, and unlike some of the other books I've seen, there's actually very few books that talk about anything outside of software in terms of Agile and zero books when it comes to Kanban, um, at least at this point. They all give practices that are basically Scrum-inspired. And I, I, I don't do that. I, the way I approach it in the book is here's the thought process you do the work and yeah. here are some ideas. Here are some ideas, lots of them that, you know, seem to work. And here are some ideas that might give you, you know, a headache. Um, but what would you need to at least think through in order to make something happen? And, and I also point out, you know, how often a lot of, a lot of people start, uh, start the wrong way, right? They, they take something and, and kind of graft it onto what they have. And then they're surprised that it doesn't catch, right? It doesn't take.
0: Well, and a lot of a lot of organizations that do this, it takes multiple attempts. I think that's an important thing for people to remember too: is that if you if you want to work this way, you might fail twenty different times before you find your own path through this.
1: Right. Right. And and what I want for people is not to avoid failure, but to make it if it happens to make it you know feel fast, feel cheap, learn right all of that. Yeah. Uh, but also to help them prevent, uh, not prevent, or sidestep the typical pitfalls, right? For instance, the most common pitfall is let's adopt agile practices. Stand-ups, what's wrong with that? What could possibly go wrong? Demos, looks like an awesome idea. Retros, blah, blah, blah. Let's take practices. <laughs> and, and we know from the software industry that in more than half, half the cases, that does not actually work at all because just doing the practices does not actually bring about the mindset that gave rise to those practices. Right. And so you end up really misaligned. The, the, the way of thinking is not really changed from before. The, the, some of the behaviors are different, but because they don't agree, because they're like totally different value systems, uh, it doesn't survive. And, and that is such a common pitfall. I mean, it's the subject of most of my talks and keynotes and such. And, and still, people fall into this trap. And I, I'm hoping my readers don't fall into this trap because most of them haven't started Agile yet. Whereas if you look at a typical company that uses software, they have started something.
0: yeah. So let's say that somebody works in, I don't know, some department, let's say PR or marketing or something like that, HR, mm-hmm. and they see in their organization that IT is using sure. some flavor yes. of Agile. Mm-hmm. What do they need to have in place to get started? Like what are the table stakes for being able to stand some effort at this up and, and get it running?
1: Okay, so the, the one set of table stakes i can think of already is a little bit of a human-centered culture now i would suppose that if this is an hr department it's sort of forgiven uh but in other departments they're often used to just you know standardize best practices industry yeah. standards and, and whatnot and they don't necessarily see the people Right. And okay. so uh one... when you say
0: human centered, I just want to clarify you're talking about actual
1: like thinking
0: of the people that work at your company as human beings and not resources as an example.
1: So that is definitely one thing. I mean a lot of people are not even aware that they use the word and, and what the word communicates, because the words do in fact communicate what we think, right? Yeah. But the other thing is also what are the expectations from people? Right. So Uh, I think you and I have had, you know, interviews about this like years ago. But, you know, how, how do you treat people and how do you manage and lead the human system that you have, right? Because it's very easy to just see the work, right? Just to see the projects, just to see the deliverables, the timelines, the constraints, the budgets, the this and that, but not quite see how the people affect the result, and how treating the people <clears throat> affects future results. And so, for instance, um, something that I often encounter when just you know coming into a company is people will ask me, okay, so how do we do accountability, or some form of that question. Right? <laughs> how do I so,
0: make them accountable?
1: Yeah. How do I make them accountable? Or <laughs> and, and sometimes it's how do I know that? How do I really know that they're not slacking off? Yeah. And. First off, that tells you a lot about the yeah. culture. I like to assume that people mean well and that when they ask me this, it's because they, they haven't seen better. It's not that they're not able of doing better, but where they have worked so far, just you know, didn't encourage the ability to treat people differently. And I say, all right, so look, we have accountability is one thing. And here is why traditionally we've done this. And, and here are some of the... Um, Problems with it, right? It it's it's a check the box mentality and it's reactive and a whole bunch of stuff. And I say, okay, so let's consider the difference between accountability and responsibility. And then, um, and then we move over to the idea of you know trust. And 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 I can tell that in many situations they say, yeah, we, but we trust our people. But you can tell through their behaviors and actions and words that they don't really. <laughs>
0: Well, they yeah. trust them to be irresponsible and untrustworthy.
1: Okay, fine. <laughs> no, but but I, I had a case like this just you know a couple of months ago, and I you know I was sitting with you know the leadership team of a small company, and and we really got to this point where I said you know yeah you no, notice the words you're using, you you're not really trusting them. Yeah. Okay. Which forget agile. This is a problem, and so. Do you want to have a system where you don't trust people and you have to keep following up and checking up and, and, and double verifying and everything, which in some situations is required, and I get that, but in others it's just an, an industrial habit. It's not necessarily um, a useful strategy. So what happens if you know, we, we switch tracks and instead we say, all right, no, we, we build a system that is based on trust if you don't see that the trust is justified then you work with that through observations and feedback and coaching and blah 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 right but that that's like a parallel universe so we know okay we in the agile community we know what happens when you try to to bring agile to an environment that just doesn't see people it sees resources that are right. fungible tradable dividable, and, and and divisible and all of that and and we know that really all you get is iterative delivery you don't actually get any additional you know thinking of the customer or any collaboration or anything else it 's just people using different tactics to uh, you know deliver in pieces that 's it
0: can, can I ask you a question about this yeah because i 'm seeing a parallel here, and, I, and I, this is the thing i I want to ask about um, You mentioned a few minutes ago about people to adopt agile practices and they're uh-huh. basically just going through the motions and yep. it's not really delivering because they they haven't really kind of internalized it or you know people always say you have to be agile whatever yeah um, if you have you ever seen it where you go in and you have this conversation about language with people and they adopt the, the habit of language but the mindset does not follow or Is this a thing where changing the language subtly creates a mindset change, whether, you know, like it's an infection thing that just happens um, because language is a virus and and the other practices do not have the same kind of reaching effect?
1: So I I can't think of a single case where changing the language was enough. Okay. uh, Or where it brought with it a... um, a change in behavior or mindset. Okay,
0: so we need more than just language change.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I really don't want to go into, you know, social issues and politics and whatever, but you can look at how in in this decade um, there have been a lot of language changes that are meant to make us more inclusive and thoughtful and empathetic. And I don't know that we're actually more thoughtful and empathetic, even if we're, you know, told or expected, or in some cases, forced. Okay, um, boomer. To, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't let it go. Sorry. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> right? So language alone, Yeah, it's no, not enough. No, it's not enough. And, and here's the other thing. We talk about ways of working. We talk about mindset. We talk about values and stuff like this. And everything is so subjective and has different interpretations and whatever. It's like, you know, when I ask people, how do you define collaboration? Okay. I will get like six different definitions. Yeah. And you know, you want to talk about language. I grew up speaking a language that makes no distinction between collaboration and cooperation. In English, we have two words. They mean totally different things. And, and where did you
0: grow up? Where did we, I didn't bring, we didn't bring that up earlier.
1: Uh, Israel. Okay. So in Hebrew, there is no difference. It's the same words, huh. um, By the same token, um, there is no real distinction between effective and efficient. So sometimes people actually say effective in kind of like English. Yeah. Uh, and they mean re- efficient. No, so, so we kind of use the English sounding word to make the distinction between that and efficient. But, oh, but, this, okay. but, but the point is that you know, the languages we, we grow up with do have something to do with uh, you know, how, we, how we see the world right yeah uh, but even if everybody grew up you know in the same place with just, you know the same language and everything it's th- th- this whole thing is bigger than us right and we have to be very explicit about what we mean okay and so for instance if i am with a team and i want them to collaborate first do i know what i mean by that yeah. right and so for a lot of people they they look at their team and they say, "Hey, we collaborate." And really, all they mean is that you know we're friendly, we play nice, we share our resources, the physical stuff. Uh, we um, we help each other out occasionally, but it's still individual work. And they don't make that distinction. So if you want, like in Agile, when we talk about collaboration, we we have a higher standard. Yeah. We have a higher standard and it's not enough to say, all right, you know, folks, from now on, we collaborate around here, right? (laughs) You have to actually, (laughs) you know... Self-organize now! Yes, you have been liberated (laughs) and unshackled, so kindly go forth and self-organize. Yes, yes. so uh, you, you do have to put structures in place and you do have to, you know revisit and revisit and see that's the whole you know inspect on the DAO business so you see that it's actually taking place okay yeah cool
0: so yeah i'm glad that we went down that path it was a little bit of a rabbit hole but i appreciate you being open to it so so we've got the language thing we've got to find some way of creating behavioral change we've got to create an environment that will support it um when you talk in the book about the values and things like that, mm-hmm. how important do you think it is up front that, let's say there's I'm a leader, I'm a manager somewhere in a company, and I want to try this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Do I need to sit down with my team and define like the language, things we just talked about, define why are we going after this? I feel like a lot of people just say, let's go be agile or let's go do agile. And if they don't know what problem they're trying to solve, I'm always like, well, uh, I don't know. Absolutely,
1: work. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely, and unfortunately, this is something that uh, people just don't do. Uh, maybe it's the press of business, maybe it is uh, just not being familiar with the concepts. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. So, there's a company I recently started working with, and I did an assessment, and and it's fascinating how um, everybody wants agile, and people kind of. Know what that means, and at the team level, they've done a lot that is congruent with agile. But the one thing that's missing is a very clear determination from the top of what's the vision and what's the strategy to get there, which is horrible for a business, right? And what do you mean
0: wait, wait, why is that horrible? It's horrible that they don't have it, you're saying. Right. OK, yes.
1: I mean, how can you have a business that's three hundred people? Um, how can you run a successful business with no clear vision or? I what have are you so many
0: to? classes full of people who don't. Either they don't have it, or they don't know what it is. So it's one of the two.
1: You know what? If they don't know what it is, at least maybe somebody else in the company who makes some decisions does know what it is. Yeah. But the fact that you know this is a company that kind of runs by making little increments of stuff, and so so they 're lacking the strategy, which is sort of really again like like you 're saying the, the problem you 're trying to solve right so w- what are we trying to do? Are we trying to uh, you know delight our users with this, or are we trying to um, go after this new market we have where we have potential for you know making a name for ourselves, whatever it is, and then tying that into why agile is a legitimate and and good choice for getting there. Okay, right. It's like if so. So here, here's an example. If your vision is well, whatever your vision is, if your strategy is to be incredibly innovative about it, okay. Let's say it has to do with artificial intelligence, right? That's the big thing this year. Um, you you need a whole lot of innovation and market testing and such because okay. you really don't know what will come out of it. Agile is not the best approach something that is more like lean startup which is more exploratory and less committed to finite answer or definite answers i should say is is a bit more suitable then okay. once you have once you identify what product you're building now you switch to agile okay but what if you are in a different situation where you know it's an established situation you know what you're after um, the solutions do evolve. You know what problem you're after and, you know, being adaptive and collaborative is great. So you use Agile for that. So it's really choosing your overall approach based on what you need, what okay. will make you most successful. It's like, you know, I I run my business using a hodgepodge of Agile and lean ideas, not because I walk my talk, not because I do dog fooding. Remember that practice, right? right? It's because that is the sensible thing to do. If I tried to run my business with, you know, huge yearly plans and, you know, big calendars and everything's predictable, that would probably not be a very good thing for me. Okay.
0: So I want to kind of, Follow that a little bit further. You, you talk in the book about how, like in the section of the book where you're talking about how to design your mm-hmm. approach, design your initial way of working. It's chapter yes. in the book. Uh-huh. Um, you go back to the idea of making sure that everything you and your team are doing are in sync with um, your values, your constraints, and your beliefs. Yes. If a team is new to this way of working, like I bring my folks in, I'm like, let's talk about our values. And they'd be like, what?
1: Yeah, you have to explain what you mean. Yes.
0: Yeah, how do you have that conversation? And how do you give them the context they need if if it's a traditional command and control environment? And I want to try something like this out. And I'm like, let's talk about our values. Those aren't questions that are used to being asked.
1: Oh, right. Even in non-command and control environments, those are not conversations that people normally have. And usually when they do talk about values... What they mean are cultural values, people values, like integrity and respect and honesty and you know whatever, uh, which are great, but actually give us no guidance at all as to how we get work done. And so, I I explain values in the book pretty early, and already in chapter two, the reader kind of goes through through what how does that impact our results. Right. So yeah. if one of, and, and, I, and I give different words for this. And when you engage the team, and that's in, in chapter four, where we frame the work, I, I give different ways of eliciting those values without using, you know, highfalutin language. Right. So you can ask about, you know, as we work, what should, we, what should be important to us? Is it important for us to uh, jump when the clients jump? Is it important to us to be on the lookout for changes in the environment and respond to them? is it important to us to maintain a collaborative collab, um, uh, relationship with our customers or should we just you know get essentially the requirements up front and just run with them yeah. what should we what should be important to us so that we are successful that okay. that's the question and you know uh, managers sometimes do that but rarely with their teams okay so Managers do have some of those conversations, but usually not to the level of explicitness that I I call out in in the book. People are not used to that. And and, and the words that I keep using in the book, and also anytime I talk about the book, is intention, right? We want to be intentional about how we work. And when we say, let's be agile, we're not intentional about how we work. We're just picking something off the shelf because we like it. Yeah. But that does not mean that we have put in the even 30 minutes of thinking of, is this the best thing we could be doing here? And once we think what the best thing for us is, we want to be intentional about it, intentional and explicit, so that moving forward, everything falls out of that. So for instance, if you decide that you know being responsive to um, marketplace changes, let's say, is of utmost importance to you if you are to reach your objectives, Everything you do, your way of working, even how you structure the team, uh, your working agreements, everything has to fall out of that. Okay. Well, as opposed to saying we have this solution called agile, let's let's force fit it.
0: Yeah, I think another aspect of that, that just in case it didn't come across to anybody, is that when that manager who's used to having these conversations with other managers, but not with their team, Mm -hmm. when you open that door with the team it invites them into a space where they're more they are more, um, they're more bought in because they have more of a say. Their mm-hmm. voice is heard. They get to, to help shape this thing. And just by the nature of the conversation, it's going to make them more willing to go through the struggle of taking this stuff on.
1: Yes. And, and this level of explicitness is critical. I want to give you an example. So just this morning, uh, my wife was my co-conspirator in these things, and I... Uh, we're leading a workshop for a non-software group, and it's what we call our collaboration and teamwork, teamwork and collaboration, Kickstarter workshop, and people go through a simulation and whatever. We had the most unusual group today. It's a group that, uh, whose level of teamwork was outstanding. And they spoke about how normal it is for them. And they also said, we have a high stress environment they, they have to be kind of pretty reactive. Right. And really deal with a lot of stuff and, and, and you know, all sorts of problems that come up and they have to respond. And they said and, 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 and we act as a team in that regard. And and I told you know how not obvious that is? Because in a lot of environments that I've seen, mostly software but not only, when when there's pressure, Thanks, people hunker down. even if they don't fall apart, people hunker down and they parcel out work. Yeah. Right? And so, okay, I'll do this piece. And if you do this piece, and and, okay, and and we'll meet in two hours and deal with it. Right? And, uh, you know, think uh, when we have, you know, production issues or when we are close to a release. Right? Um, A lot of times, what we see at that point is not teamwork. We see a flurry of activity, but people are trying to be very busy and and utilized so that they can produce quickly. These people that I met this morning, that's not how they do. But they, but there is a missing piece in all of that, and that is that they have never, and, and I, we talked about this, they never actually talked about how they want it to be this way. It just so happened. Wow. So in a way, it's accidental culture as opposed to intentional yeah. culture. And, and I told them, awesome, works for you, keep it, go for it, wonderful. But make sure you keep it alive by being intentional about it. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you'll know, you have natural turnover and you'll have pressures from here and there and whatever, and it will slowly It'll degrade, slip. right? It will slowly degrade un- unless it gets the attention it deserves, and that can only come from intention.
0: Yeah, this is great. Um, so is there, uh, is there a lesson or something that you left out of the book?
1: Well, I can tell you what I would have liked to have more in the book. I would have liked to have more examples from the field. Okay, because again, uh, my, my typical reader would be a non-software manager. These people can be doing anything, right? Yeah, and 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 I do know that people appreciate examples that uh, communicate. You know, I understand your world, and I looked. So I have I, I use a lot of examples from my own experience in the last, you know, two, three, four years that. Um, I have had clients in, in such spaces, but of course, there's only the limit to how much I can do at that time. I asked people and I interviewed people and I can tell you that um, I found very few examples in North America that are not marketing. Uh, I found more examples in Europe and even then few and far between. Okay. So. I would have loved to have more of the long case studies that are in the appendix, and I would have loved to have more examples that are peppered throughout the book. Um, And it felt like we're not there yet. Okay. Well,
0: I have a question for you. Okay. If there's people listening to this podcast, and they have great examples of their own experience using either what they learn in the book or they've already tried to do this stuff, Mm -hmm. how could they reach out to you?
1: So I would love to hear those examples. Um, so by email would be great. So Gil, that is with one L, at 3pvantage.com. And there may well be a second edition at some point, or I can include things online as a supplementary resource. Um, because I, I would really
0: like you to do that, because then I can send all my students to you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, that would be awesome. Um so I would love to include more examples. Uh, look, when, when the examples I included also have to do with, you know, we tried it and we really, really struggled. Yeah. Right. So, so there are cases like that and, and that's totally legit because, you know, the, <laughs> the getting there is, is pretty hard. It's, it's hard
0: it's for pretty, everybody in every organization.
1: Right and that is why one very uh, intentional principle i had here is what is the absolute minimum my reader has to do to get to a to an agile informed way of working that actually works for them and this is and, and that's why i there are so many things Okay, here's an answer to the previous question. What did I leave out of the book? There are so many things we know about Agile that I would have loved to include in the book. And then instead of 200 pages, it would have been 800. (laughs) And then what would have happened is that people wouldn't read it. Yeah. And they would adopt Agile practices and go and fall flat. So I made this intentionally, you know, uh, pure protein. Very little by way of, you know... Um, pontificating or uh, here 's a lot of theory or jargon. I really tried hard to not have any jargon there. There is no you know software example either, so that it 's relatable
0: well and I want to point something out with this so when i first when you first told me about the book, I thought it was going to be a book of case studies, and it is more i would say my interpretation of it an explanation of what this stuff is, and how to get started setting it up. And then there are some case studies in the end.
1: Yeah, the case studies are in the appendix, right? There's four of them right now. But there's many little examples throughout the book. But, but your
0: intention yeah. is to give people kind of a how-to.
1: It's a how-to. Yeah. It's a guide to becoming agile in a non-software context without resorting, uh, re, uh, resorting to basically canned solutions. Yeah. Right? Off-the-shelf solutions, which I just don't see how they can work. I mean, look, once software kind of got, got its act together, Agile became really popular in marketing. Okay. But marketing does not look the same across companies. Right. So how, how come you can even write a book for Agile marketing? If you do B2B, it's totally different than B2C. If your uh, demographic is like this or like that, you would work so differently, right? If you're marketing a brand or you're marketing a product or whatever, it's, it's so different. So why treat things the exact same way? Yeah. And so this is a how-to because, you know, it really came out of how I work with clients. And I, and, and I really reflected on what kind of conversations do I have with clients and what do we go through before we ever – get to what your process might look like. And, and the book is really structured this way. So if, if you read it, 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 the chapters are organized in, in this kind of way where you know this is the set of conversations I would be having with you if yeah. you were a client. And they're spread out over time, and they might take months before we ever get to the point of um, how frequently should we review our work and with whom and what form should that take. Okay as opposed to saying the framework tells us to do a demo every two weeks.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, what if people want to learn more about, you mentioned the workshop a few minutes ago that you and your wife did. What if people want to learn more about the workshops you're doing and things like that?
1: So everything is on my website at Uh That one is—I uh, I so love this this workshop because people make something that you know some of us might buy in stores actually and uh, learn so much along the way. Uh, that one is for collaboration and teamwork. Um, but otherwise, I have courses where I teach agile for non-software teams, right? Um, I have a course goes by by that name, and I teach people. Uh, How to, you know, think and be agile without a single prescription and a single so-called best practice. And afterwards, we actually go ahead and and design the way of working. Excellent. So Yeah, so there's that. Uh, Typically, the stuff I offer has to do with mindset and with leadership. I mean, people still approach me for like, you know, tell us exactly what to do and whatever, but um, I, I don't do a lot of those, right? So, it's more of the, you know, how do we get to agility that works for us as opposed to, okay, what do I do?
0: Yeah. But, but you do have events listed on the 3P Vantage site. People can go check that out. Yeah. Um, yes, they can absolutely. find the books on Amazon and, and, um, and on your site as well. Um, yep. And they can, what about the LinkedIn and Twitter? They can get you there too?
1: Uh, LinkedIn is better. Okay. Um, I hardly use Twitter anymore, uh, but LinkedIn absolutely. And I love when people connect with me. And I love even more when they actually include a note, because otherwise, I, I don't know the context.
0: <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, this is great. I, good luck with the book. I hope things go very well.
1: I hope so too.
0: <laughs> and I and I hopefully I'll see you this summer at the Agile Conference, and then we can check in then.
1: Okay. Wonderful. See how
0: many thousands of case studies you've gotten from this podcasting.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Cool. All right. Thanks, Gil.
1: Okay. Thank you so much.